0: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books, Jim Dalrymple, the guy who almost always gets it right about Apple when he makes a prediction, from the loop at LoopInsight.com, and Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Ah! We have Adam Inks of Tidbits Magazine, and before we go on, I should congratulate you. You now have an
1: iOS app? (laughs) We've actually had it for a while now. We don't say a huge amount about it because it's just like reading tidbits everywhere else. Just pick your poison.
0: Now, one thing about this here. How many of the current people who have iOS devices have upgraded to iOS 6? By now, it would be the majority, except for those who have devices that aren't compatible.
1: Yeah, I would think so. The fact is, though, that there's a lot of devices, you know, original iPad, iPhone 3s, or the 3Gs, you know, certain iPod Touches, I can never remember the generations there, that simply are never going to be able to upgrade. And so uh, that you just feel badly about dropping those people. You know, there's sort of no reason why they shouldn't be able to use this app. It works fine under iOS 4, 4.2 and 5 now. And if it were simple to maintain that, that level of backward support, we certainly would. You can't have two separate apps? You can, but then you've got two separate apps. So, you know, the, the old version, you know, the, the current version, isn't ever going to change again. You know, that we're not going to put any, any effort into that because simple app does what it needs to do. And so what happens if we create a new app is that people who have iOS 6 are more likely to find that one than a new one because it has ratings and downloads and things like that. It's going to come up in the searches more. Then we're in a situation where we have to say, oh what's going on? You know, every time someone is confused about the problems that the current version has in iOS 6, which are text layout problems.
0: Okay. So it gets all the more confusing. And of course, Apple could solve this by simply having some kind of search filtering. So if you have apps there that aren't considered compatible with iOS 6,
1: you could flag them and not have them show up. I think a much better way to do it would be for Apple to just allow older versions of apps to be maintained. That's certainly what what normal Mac developers do outside of the Mac App Store, is they say, yeah, we're no longer supporting Tiger, but if you want the version of our app that works under Tiger, go here to download it. That is an entirely reasonable way to do things. People have been doing it for years. Apple simply doesn't allow it.
0: Well, we can get into all the arguments here. No demo versions. You can't (laughs) upgrade to a paid upgrade. If you do an upgrade, you either give it free or you create a whole new app that you sell.
1: So, yeah, no, there's just a ton of that little stuff. and so. But this is another example of, of, of how Apple is just sort of keeping everything moving forward at the cost of all these devices, which are perfectly functional. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with an original iPad. If you've got one and you're using it and you like it, you should not feel the need to upgrade. You know, we don't want them to say, oh, and sorry, you can never read tidbits again. We're just saying, hey, get the app now so that then you can continue to use it in the future, even after we upgrade. Let's look at
0: other things with regard to apps. iTunes 11. Now, iTunes 11, I'm of a mixed feeling there, because I think they took so much away, and I wonder about some of the new features. Other than bringing up a sidebar with color icons, I don't know that I cared about the new version.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm of you're pondering, my- yeah, you're of mixed... So, although I think that some of the changes in iTunes 11 are problematic... I also think a lot of the changes on iTunes 11 make it look a lot nicer and are easier to use in certain ways. It's, it's definitely not a simple, you know, newer is bad or newer is better situation. For instance, one of the big things that I find a little troubling is, and I think Apple finds it troubling too, which is by default, iTunes 11 hides the sidebar. And it makes sense why they hide it in iTunes 11, because there's another sidebar that often shows, and so you can end up with this kind of weird double sidebar scenario in a lot of the views. But without that sidebar showing, it's really easy to kind of get lost and sort of not realize where you are in iTunes. There's a pop-up menu in the upper left corner is kind of the only real way to know uh, where you are. And that, until you go to it, does not show you sort of where you could go. So there's very little... It's not very discoverable as an, as an interface. And they did take some things out. One of the really big ones is the ability to open playlists in their own windows. So that if you use iTunes as a way of managing large music libraries, that's become a lot more difficult.
0: So we understand Apple is going to have a interim release where they're going to restore the ability to find duplicate tracks.
1: You know, they said it was an oversight I mean, it took people about 30 seconds after downloading iTunes 11 to realize that the file menu didn't contain the display duplicates command. How could Apple have missed this? I mean, 30 seconds that long? (laughs) Well, you know, it took a while to download, then you'd launch it, you had to wait for it to update your library. So yeah, I mean, you look in the file menu, it was obvious that it was gone. So I don't really buy the whole oversight thing. I'm also not too upset by this because there, were, there, have been, there are a number of utilities that do a better job of finding duplicates than that command did. Although one of the things people may not know is in iTunes 11, if you held down the option key when you dropped the file menu, it said display exact duplicates. So it wouldn't find cover versions of songs, for instance. So if you have you know, two people doing yellow submarine, um, they're not going to show up because they're not exact duplicates. They just have this, the same track name.
0: Well, look, iTunes Match still doesn't work 100%, so what do I care?
1: (laughs) Now, something I just learned about iTunes Match, and I'll be writing up hopefully today. Uh, Let's say, like me, you didn't find it particularly useful and you let it lapse. Turns out you can still download your tracks for 90 days. And Apple's doing this intentionally because... As we found out from one person Had somehow managed, we don't quite know how To delete all his local files Without ever downloading them That suddenly all his music exists Only on iTunes Match Oh and, Yeah, and so he was kind of freaking out But when he called Apple, they said Well, you know, lucky you, you know, We're leaving download access available For 90 days, so you'll be able To get your, get your stuff still Well, that's very nice of them yeah you know i mean if nothing else it's got to save a whole amount of customer service stuff when people really freak out but i do think that people need to know about this because it's i mean it's not not obvious but you do got to pay a bit of attention you know to those little cloud icons to make sure you've got all of your music locally if you you know if you're not positive
0: i was a mixed minds about it i let it renew i really did
1: I decided not to, and the reason why I decided not to is that most of the time I am home. That I don't travel a huge amount, I don't leave the house a huge amount, and when I do leave the house, I certainly don't want to spend my small amount of cellular data uh, on streaming music that I could just sync. So for me, access to my library wherever I am is really worth almost nothing. Uh, For me, it was much more useful to uh, get updated versions, better, higher quality, DRM-free. It's important to get uh, music that I either ripped a long time ago or that I purchased from the iTunes store back when they had DRM, in which I'd never paid extra to remove the DRM from. So I so, one of the things that I really liked iTunes Match for, and this was the entire reason why I paid for it, was to be able to get new versions of music either that I'd ripped a long time ago and was a lower quality, or that I'd bought from the iTunes store early on and which still had DRM associated with it. Because that was one of the nice things if you uploaded your music to iTunes Match or matched it, and then deleted your local copy, and then re-downloaded, you'd get you know 256kbps AAC versions, so a nice high-quality copy, and it would be DRM-free. So that was a nice way to kind of clean things up a bit. Okay, well, that
0: was worth twenty-four ninety-nine. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from Jim Dalremple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. And still later, we'll hear from Avram Pilch. He is the online editorial director from Laptop Magazine. He'll have lots of cool tech news for you. We have Adam Inks, who's worth a lot.
1: Hopefully more than twenty-four ninety-nine.
0: I hope so. Joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, let's talk body language. You know, when meeting in person, we express so much through the raise of an eyebrow, a nod of agreement. These simple gestures help us communicate more effectively and get positive things done. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD faces. You can meet face-to-face with colleagues and clients no matter where they are. GoToMeeting takes simple online meetings a big step forward with the highest quality HD video conferencing. Share how GoToMeeting allows you to easily collaborate with your team. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, And use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, once again, neighbors, use the promo code PODCAST. Try GoToMeeting. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the
2: Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of three million dollars the answer to protecting your assets is simple call john ballman today at 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 get all your questions answered before your money is worth a zero call 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold that's 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 Time and time again.
3: You need to come here
4: and...
9: you've come to expect winter specials from herbal healer academy and we're not going to let you down battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power Vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9. Beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry.
10: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Adam
0: Minks of Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. So we have the stories written about these interviews with Tim Cook. You saw the NBC
1: interview? I didn't see the NBC interview. I watch very little stuff live, but I did read the Bloomberg Business one. Okay, the Bloomberg Business one I read. I saw video playbacks of
0: the NBC interview, and I said, where is the meat here? Where is the substance? Most everything he said there, he said before in different ways. I suppose we could look at the fact that Apple is going to invest $100 million into building a Mac in the USA as the one significant piece of news, my prediction, and I think Forbes said the same thing, but after I did, is that Mac Pro is going to be built here. What do you think?
1: Certainly a possibility. I, I don't know. I have no real, I have certainly no inside information, and it feels to me as though Apple would probably start with a lower volume computer because it doesn't matter as much then if it costs a bit more per box. So it's possible that they would go with the Mac Pro to start because if they can do that one, you know, build a robot line for that, kind of amortize that cost a bit over, over these, you know, smaller number of units and then learn all they can and then take it to the higher volume items where, you know, like the MacBooks and the iPhones and the iPads, then that might be interesting. The
0: other thing is the margins are much higher on the Mac Pro. And, you know, they have assembled iMacs in this country for a while. I know there was a story saying some of the new iMacs are listed as assembled in the USA. That's not news. One of my readers wrote and said he's got one from 2010 that was assembled in the United States.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting problem because Apple is undoubtedly working hard to basically control costs at all times, but the costs of developing stuff and, you know, manufacturing stuff in China are not always obvious. So, you know, I've actually heard from companies that have moved their manufacturing back to the U.S. or not even gotten started in China because once you add in, you know, the communication barrier, if you don't speak Chinese, and the setup costs and the communication snafus back and forth with someone who's not in your company as well as shipping costs, it's often not as cheap as people think it is. So that's something that i think apple could be attempting to improve upon as well as you know certainly there's some win in in manufacturing in the u.s in terms of uh supporting the local economy politics and also remember it's not just the
0: plant the supply chain because you need supplies nearby so other companies could build around apple to provide various components right now for example if you look at the iphone the a6 chip is being built in texas If you look at the iPhone, the glass is being built in Kentucky. So it has to be shipped to China to be assembled by Foxconn. But the irony of this is that it's also reported that Foxconn is going to expand its production here. Foxconn already produces some stuff in the United States, you might know. They're going to open one or two new plants here. And this could be working in concert with Apple that it's the same company building their stuff, only it's happening in this country, but the factory will be owned by a foreigner. I think think the moral of the story is we live in a global economy. Okay, so that was the big announcement that Tim Cook made. Of course, the other announcement he made is nothing different than what he said before, which is, of course, that Apple continues to look at TV and figure out what they're going to do. It's interesting. But it renews speculation. You know, there's some people who have been speculating, oh, it's going to happen in 2012. Of course, it didn't, unless, you know, there's a new Apple TV set on December 31st, which I kind of doubt now they're saying, well, if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. So the big question again is, would you, Adam Inkst, I know what I'd say, but you don't watch TV, so you wouldn't buy an Apple TV
1: set anyway, would you? Probably not. I mean, we actually did break down uh, last year uh, and bought a big screen TV and hooked an Apple TV to it. And the reason for that was largely that uh, it was a much better experience than all three of us watching on an iPad, which is what we were, we'd we been reduced to after a MacBook Pro kind of gave up the ghost. What kind of set? Um, uh, d- 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 Panasonic Plasma.
0: Okay, they're very good. I have yeah. a 2008 Panasonic Plasma. That one gets really hot because it's sucking up a lot of juice. But Plasma is still the best picture out there, except for maybe some of these five, ten dollars 10000 experimental sets like OLED and stuff like that.
1: The thing that I found interesting when I was researching this last year was the fuss that was made over LED TVs. I'm like, it's not an LED TV. It's an LED backlit LCD TV.
0: Yes, but they can't say LED backlit LCD, so they say Yes, I was
1: like, you're just making this stuff
0: up, aren't you? Yes, they are. But I mean, they're not bad. They've got some nice sets. But no, Plasma, no. all in all, is still a better experience.
1: Well, and the, and the fact is, is, you know, we don't watch much TV even still. And I'm not a huge quality fanatic. And I, I guess what I mean by that is that although... I would be disappointed if I, you know, saw artifacts or the colors were really washed out or something like that, that I don't actually spend a huge amount of time, you know, tweaking it to get it to be the absolute best picture for everything or, you know, to have different settings for sports versus movies versus TV, you know, it's just... Turn it on, watch the TV. That's it. Well, that works. And most everything we're watching is from Netflix anyway. So, you know, it's not as though we're going get, to be necessarily getting perfect quality there either.
0: You're just like everybody else as far as quality is concerned. People turn on the set, they don't realize there are adjustments like Vizio, which makes low-cost sets. They have adjustments for football, for hockey, for baseball. What? <laughs> Why do you need a different picture? And, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of the differences you see, the artifacts, all this stuff is very subtle. So yeah. it's not something, if you're watching the TV set from 6, eight, ten feet away, you don't see this. But if you're well, looking, you're sitting in front of the set, and you're looking it over with a magnifying glass, say, oh, you know, maybe the blacks aren't as deep as they should be. There's an artifact, and maybe if I'm at a 100-degree angle,
1: it's not as bright and crisp. I did notice when we first got the TV that it was absolutely worth going through the settings you know, and tweaking it so that it was the way we liked it. But once we got it set once, we weren't going to go about changing it for different types of video, which I thought was where the true excessiveness came through. But there was some fussing that, that I thought helped it a little bit instead of just going with what came out of the box. Now,
0: of course, you know, there are companies like Visual Sciences that actually will calibrate your TV set, but they charge like $300. So if you're paying seven $800 for a TV set, it... Makes no sense. I once had done as a demonstration. The guy charged me half price because I was writing a story about it. This was with a rear projection set. But you see, the big question I guess we have to ask here is: You're like, even though you're not a big TV watcher, the way you chose the TV is very much like anybody. You know, you look at something and it seems to have a good picture, and it's written up well, and it's affordable, and that's yeah. fine. I'm happy with that. No fuss or muss. Into the breach here, we have a very saturated market. Where is there room for an Apple-branded TV set? I understand the Apple TV. I understand expanding it, maybe a special universal remote feature with an Apple TV that works with all your gadgets, your Blu-ray and your gaming consoles. I understand all that, but I don't understand the Apple TV set. I don't understand what Apple expects to bring that they can't bring in a little set-top box except for maybe the webcam.
1: And that's a real question, because when you've looked at where Apple has made an impact in the past, such as with the iPhone or the original iPod, even if there was a market there, that Apple has really done something radically different. And And we're going to
0: be in a radically different shape if we don't do the break now. Adam Inks joins us from Tidbits and Take Control Books on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs)
11: What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter.
13: You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally
8: eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to Grandma's House. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click TerraGanics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll-free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terragonics. Life's getting better.
3: Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: Adam Inks from Tidbits and Take Control Books. We're focusing now on the rumors and speculation anew about an Apple TV. And you know, at the last Consumer Electronics Show, you were seeing all sorts of so-called smart TVs, even Lenovo, which makes very good PC notebooks, as a matter of fact. They took over IBM's line of all that stuff, and they really do some nice work with their notebook computers on the PC side. They announced a K-Series line of TV sets at the Consumer Electronics Show. Earlier this year, they introduced it in China. And you wonder if they're going to bring it to America. But you also wonder if companies didn't make these announcements spooked out by the potential for Apple. Let's get in there now. Let's
1: get into the space before Apple does and overwhelms us. One thing that I, I I guess I haven't previously considered, because on the whole, I actually don't think about this all that much. It seems relatively trivial. Apple has stores. So Lenovo, if you want to buy a Lenovo TV, where are you going to go? Best, Best Buy, direct? I guess, right. Precisely. Or... Amazon, maybe? You know, you might, I mean, people do buy a lot of TVs from Amazon, and, you know, even though they're sight unseen. Whereas Apple has a really, really strong retail presence and a vast amount of traffic, and it's possible that they could do something that was perhaps not as innovative as one might like but still be able to be highly successful with it i mean i'm sure it would be a good tv would be tremendously easy to use and very nicely designed and all of that but with that retail presence that they've got it would be a whole lot easier for people to be introduced to it and and you know see it and 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 want it and take it home and all of those things that get kind of difficult when you're talking about you know a 50 inch or 60 inch tv
0: well the other thing about it here is that apple's position here is not to make a lot of products, even if they could be profitable, but to make products where they feel they can make a difference in the market. And of course, that goes back to the original Mac, which of course brought a very successful iteration of graphical user interfaces. And with the iPod, all the music players were crap. With smartphones, where they made it acceptable for the masses, where tablets where tablets had gone nowhere before the iPad came out. So we understand that. So if Apple's getting into the TV space at all, they'd have to do it in a way that makes a real difference, suddenly turns the industry on its, on its
1: ear, and I still think that could be done with a set-top box. You don't need the whole TV. The only thing that I don't know very much about, and I, I sort of don't want to say, I don't want to kind of mark myself as, as you know, someone who really doesn't know what's going on here, but certainly the, what you hear about in TVs as being the big thing is 3D. If Apple had come up with some way to do really good 3D without glasses, that just worked. That would be something, my understanding is, that people who care about that would think very highly of.
0: Now, the one thing, of course, is that more and more sets now have 3D. Does yours? Does your Panasonic It does,
1: although you have to pay, I think, 200 bucks for, for glasses, so we've never, never used it. I am sure
0: most people may use it once, and then they give up on the 3D.
1: My yeah. understanding is you have to have the right content. I mean, you have to have
0: 3D movies or whatever. Sure. And then, of course, if you don't get it from your direct TV or online, you then have to have a Blu-ray player that's 3D. Now, 3D Blu-ray players are $100. It's not like it's a big thing. And the 3D movies aren't that much more expensive. But it's enough to determine whether the 3D content in the movie offers an advantage. And I don't think that it does for most movies. It doesn't make a difference, 3D. In fact... That was a decision that Christopher Nolan made for the Dark Knight Rises. He had an IMAX, a huge screen, but 3D, nah. We didn't have to see Bane break Batman's back in 3D. It was fine in 2D. So that's the question. But if Apple were to perfect the technology of glassless or glassesless 3D, that would be really, really incredible. There are technologies out there that do it, but they're very poor, very experimental.
1: Right. And that's the kind of thing where you could imagine Apple's huge R&D facilities having, having come up with something interesting you know who knows but that's you know again as as someone who is not sufficiently involved with my tv that uh, that I care about this stuff that much that's the only thing where i see a, a real space for someone to innovate in, in a big way i mean my panasonic is a, is a smart tv it does have its own internal system for running apps and games and all that kind of stuff and we used it we've used it for instead of netflix or instead of the apple tv for netflix for a while and in some ways it's better and in some ways it's worse it's you know it's neither obviously horrible nor nor significantly better than than the apple tv but i think probably the main reason why i use the apple tv is the remote on the apple tv is so much nicer so we have to see how
0: does apple turn tv space on its ear but then one of the things tim cook has said is we introduce products that you didn't think you needed until they come out and then you realize you can't live without it well we'll see about that now won't
1: we <laughs> yeah
0: you know, the question is here what is apple's next product initiative and in going with that we're seeing i guess wall street skepticism about apple these days the stock price has been down the dumps took a a real dive is that because people are just talking the stock down oh apple's in trouble and therefore the stock's going to go down a hundred points and by the way we can make a profit on that can't we
1: yeah, I say Apple stock price is so high in general, and has gone up so much in general. It's a little hard to analyze it carefully because at any point people could be taking profits. Particularly as it starts to get a little bit more volatile when it's just going up and up and up. You know, people might say, "Well, you know, gee, I'm going to hold on," but as soon as it starts to waver, you know, I bought in at hundred. I'm going to I'm going to sell now. So I don't really know how to analyze what what the street thinks in a useful way. That, in, in I that don't really.
0: think they can analyze what they think in a useful way. I yeah. don't find sanity on Wall Street at all. And I don't claim to be sane because I have a paranormal radio show. So the general perception and the conventional wisdom is that I'm not sane.
1: I think the utility of... Uh, what happens in Wall Street is sort of the utility of Amazon reviews. That If you get enough people putting in, in t- an opinion, you're going to slowly kind of triangulate on something that, that resembles reality. But Wall Street has too many agendas in place for that to be reliable in my mind. So, you never really quite know, and so much is based on perception and speculation. You know, that we can speculate all we want, but the simple fact is, Apple hasn't released an Apple TV set product at this point. So there's no way to know what it might do or how good it might be if it were to exist. So for a stock to move on that is basically just guesswork at this point. And of course, there may be the other
0: feeling that if you say it's going to happen long enough, maybe it will you know you could say from here to there well apple's going to come out with a tv set this year oh not this year next year oh not next year the following year well the self-fulfilling prophecy let's just keep saying it let's talk about maybe apple will listen to us but one thing is certain apple very rarely listens to what other people say
1: well there is that and uh, apple is completely self-directed and you know, frankly, it's a bit of a soap opera that, you know, oh, Steve Jobs says that, you know, he's cracked the TV thing in his, you know, in the biography and, you know, and, and we have to have something new to talk about because that's much more interesting than having nothing new to talk about. So let's come up with some speculation. So, you know, it really is just a whole lot of uh, Tempest in a teapot a lot of the time. And you have to think also,
0: Steve Jobs, knowing he wasn't long for this world, said that deliberately, knowing it would be quoted in the book, knowing that the book would go out, people would read that section and say, my heavens, what are we going to do? It spook the entire tech industry, make Lenovo, develop a line of TV sets for no discernible purpose and no discernible advantage. Just doing it because Apple's going to do it. All these smart TVs out there, smart being in quotes because some of those interfaces are from you know where wow we're spooking everybody and up there wherever steve jobs is now he is just laughing
1: yeah you do have to keep in mind that steve jobs definitely still had some of that prankster in him yes the trickster by the way we
0: adam inks is not a trickster he's actually from tidbits and take control books we have tricksters on our other radio show i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the <laughs> HempUSA.org
14: has a newly designed website and a new and improved detoxification product. Order our new microplant powder gold loaded with vitamins, minerals, iodine and probiotics and we'll send you our travel size microplant powder absolutely free. Microplant powder only at HempUSA.org. Call 908-691-2608. That's 908-691-2608. And see what our powder, seeds and oil can do for you. Only at HempUSA.org. Only this offer ends January 31st.
13: Hi, this
7: Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel
15: constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH Environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH-level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A, vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. know
3: what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
0: we have animating some tidbits and take control books and we were talking about steve jobs being mischievous saying something about the possibilities of a new TV set and the new interface and all that stuff, not because Apple would necessarily do it, and maybe they will, but because it would be quoted and it would spook the entire tech industry and they would do something defensive. You know, for example, when Apple was rumored to be announcing a tablet in 2010, look at all the tablets that were introduced at the Consumer Electronics Show. Of course, when the iPad came out, Most of those tablets never showed the light of day. And the thing I wonder today is, of course, if you look at the PC tablets today, they're still just as crazy as they were before. It's all about swiveling screens. It's the case of the swiveling, convertible, stackable, hidden screen.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting design approach. And it was was actually a good example of how Apple tends not to do design that is... Oh, I don't know, gadgety, that they really pare down and pare down and pare down, which is often really the best way to go about stuff, that it can be frustrating at times when in the software side, when the features simply aren't there, but on the hardware side, it's almost always the best decision to not have a hinge that needs to turn and flip and and break and do that kind of stuff to just have that slab of glass and aluminum in the iPad. Simpler, uh, more reliable, and easier to use all around.
0: And for all you clickers out there, look at the Surface tablet from Microsoft. It's got a kickstand. Okay, a kickstand. Fine. The kickstand could break, of course. And also the bottom of it is you know, very squared off, so you think maybe it's going to scratch a delicate surface. You have the snap cover with the keyboard on it, and we've heard stories of the plastics coming apart. Of course, you know, you always have defects in early production. Apple does as well. But you look like Microsoft tried to gimmick it up, but when you see it in the commercials, it's a
1: netbook. It's not really a tablet. It's shown to be a netbook. Yeah, I haven't uh, haven't gotten to play with a Surface tablet yet. The I had heard from from some developers is that with the actual tablet side of it that Microsoft had had really done a pretty good job in fact and put some fairly significantly interesting design guidelines into place for how they wanted touch and tablet applications to be working as opposed to how it would then run old you know, sort of normal Windows apps. And I think, you know, it makes sense for Microsoft's market uh, and people who want to be able to do that kind of stuff. Certainly people have complained about the iPad not being able to, you know, access Windows documents as well as what they would like or to be able to do the kind of apps that people just have to have. But it's not clear that, you know, sort of as the overall decision that mashing it all up was really the best thing for the product.
0: Well, I think that's always been the problem with Windows, feature-itis. They always know how to add features, how to add more features, but taking them out, they're not too good with that. So therefore, for example, the version of Windows 8 on the Surface RT tablet for ARM processors is the
1: same as for desktop computers, and that doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm of two minds about this, too. It's the same sort of thing as with iTunes 11, that... Sometimes it makes sense to take features out because no one's using them, and sometimes you take a feature out and there's a large squawk because you find out that a whole lot of people were using it. Whether it's playlists in open, you know, multiple windows for iTunes 11, or you know, who knows what little Windows feature that someone wanted. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. It's not a simple answer when it comes to software because there the design really can maintain old features while providing new ones and you have to do it it's hard not always easy to uh, to do that without making things confusing but it is possible it's really it's hardware where i feel that more of that you know paring it down is is almost always the right decision
0: and sure people will say that product has to have more features but that doesn't necessarily mean those features work and even when apple does get the features that you hope for well, they don't always get it right. I think the original version of push notification was badly done. They finally got it correct. But it took time. It's not like other platforms where, ah, this
1: is a feature we must add it because it exists. Yep. Yep. It's it's always a it's always a a balancing act when it comes to pushing the envelope the way Apple is doing because you can't innovate on every feature other people are going to come up with other features first and then you've got to figure out how you're going to do them in ways that make sense and ways that work and all of that and it's just not always easy you know that you know if nothing else I'm not personally too worried about the new features and things so much as when bugs get in and in, introduced into old features during these updates that's what tends to bother me it feels like you're not going forward then you're tripping over the past and apple never looks back to the past
0: <laughs> sometimes to <laughs> ways that don't really help final questions here Apple's Maps. You've used it much, or you don't get around enough to try.
1: Used it some, um, not a huge amount. Uh, what I like the most about it, frankly, is the integration with Siri. That uh, Navigon, which is what I used to use and probably would still fall back on if I was really concerned, you—it's ha- actually kind of a clumsy app for getting in, getting your your address entered, all of that. And it's not even that it's really done anything wrong. It's more that the combination of the combination of Siri and being able to go right to your 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 destination and maps without having to be typing at all is is a big win. So you know, let's say you're out somewhere random, you can just say, you know, press the button and say to Siri, take me home. And, yeah, it's not hard to do that in Navigon, but it's definitely more clicks and waiting for its apps to start, you know, moving through the interface and all that kind of thing. So, you know, as far as the actual errors and maps, I haven't run into any of them. I do understand that uh, plenty of other people have, including uh, the latest Hullabaloo in Australia where, you know, the police had to go rescue people in the national park because they <laughs> getting stranded in the middle of nowhere and worse than what i
0: read is that those incorrect instructions came from documentation or services in australia i mean so actually it wasn't apple making
1: up the error that error existed yeah and that's absolutely true and that's you know one of the things that i find a little interesting is that i've long liked gps navigation devices because they're self-healing so let's say you make a mistake. It just deals with it and gives you a new route. Even if it makes a mistake and gives you, you know, says turn here, but it's a one-way street and you can't turn into it, whatever that kind of mistake, no problem. You know, it route, You know, it self-heals and gives you a new route. But when it actually has the, lo- the destination in the wrong place, you're just hosed. And that seems to be something that that... Uh, the maps app has had, or the maps database behind it, has had more trouble with. That's something not a, not an error I've ever seen in any other GPS, where you know you just you're going somewhere and it just spits you out somewhere wrong. And maybe the way it's
0: parsing data, because they're getting that stuff not just from their own data, but they're getting that information from TomTom and like 25 or 30 other services. And these services should have the correct information, but somehow it's getting lost in the translation.
1: Yep. This is one of those situations where I do think that people just don't realize how astonishingly hard this is. That this is big data to end all big data. Well, maybe not to end all, but it is, it is just vast amounts of data that needs to be brought in and verified and checked and unified and sent back out in useful ways. And there are times when I'm unimpressed with, the, with, you know, kind of how things have been done with a computer, with an app on a computer or an iPhone or something like that, but you, because you sort of think it's just not that hard.
0: <laughs> and- right. That's what Apple learned with Maps. It is hard, and I guess they're trying real hard to fix it. They've rolled a few heads. Maybe they'll have to roll some more. We'll see. Adam Inks, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff.
1: You can always go to tidbits.com to find out all we've been writing. A whole bunch about iTunes 11 recently, obviously a big new thing. And it's been interesting how much troubles people have had. And then at uh, Take Control Books, our latest thing is actually not a book. It's Take Control Live. It's a series of four live online video presentations with Joe Kissel where he's showing and telling people how to work with their iPads. So now that you see Joe Kissel, don't touch him. He's a
0: star. (laughs) Wait till he hears what I just said. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. No worries, Dean. Nice to talk.
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
16: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's
10: going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. And he's a guy who occasionally drops a pithy comment or a single word And what he has to say invariably comes true. Now, I'm going to ask him a question here. And it all started because it's Tim Cook's fault. Now, Tim Tim Cook had these interviews with NBC and with Bloomberg News. In both cases, I don't think he said very much that's new other than, and we'll talk about it later, the possibility that a Mac will be built in the USA next year. And I think we all know which model that would have to be. But the TV speculation... Is revived again when Tim Cook's talking about going into, say, his living room or bedroom, looking at the TV set and feeling he's gone back in time 20 or 30 years. Now, I don't know of anybody out there at our age who wouldn't want to go back in time 20 or 30 years and start all over again and maybe do it differently. But he's talking about the TV being ancient, out of date, etc., etc. So, Jim Dalrymple, the obvious question to ask, do you think... Or know whether Apple will build a smart TV next year or any
4: year. I I don't know anything for sure, but I I think that the the television market is probably the one that consumers would like to see changed or or innovated the most. You know, it's it's a market that's been the same for a long, long time. And Apple has done different things over, uh, the, the past decade to kind of move that forward, you know, like with, uh, uh, TV shows and movies on the app store. And that's where I would expect them to be looking is in a market like that. Just like with, uh, uh music with the iPod. Apple didn't invent the music player, but they pushed that forward and they did the same thing with, with the iphone and the 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 smartphone market and the ipad so when you look at at industries that are ripe for somebody to innovate i think the television market uh or the the delivery of that is is ready
0: let's look at what is 20 years old or 30 years old on tv Number one, of course, is event programming. No matter what show you watch, just series TV where dates are not important except, I guess, for the annual Thanksgiving or Christmas shows. They happen a certain date in time, and more and more people record them, use a DVR. So again, yeah. event programming, except maybe for sporting events where you'd like to be able to watch the boxing, the football, the basketball, when it really happens. That's one thing. And you can interrupt me whenever you want, Jim. The second thing, of course, is bundling... Where you may only want to watch 10 stations, but to get those 10 stations, they come across seven different cable TV or satellite tiers, (laughs) and therefore you have to get the 300 stations. And we're all in the same boat where we only want to watch those stations and those programs, but we're paying for services we don't want. So are those the two areas that maybe Tim Cook was talking about? We can talk about interfaces and that stuff too. But the very way that programs are delivered,
4: well, and see that's uh, people are are arguing about whether Apple will release a 42 inch TV or whether it'll have Siri or um, you know it's going to be made by uh, sharp or or LG or whatever those are to me those are details of of a piece of hardware. I mean... Uh, it's, it's superficial. It's, yeah, it's, it's the delivery mechanism for how Apple is going to innovate that industry. And, you know, whether they release an actual TV or whether they do it with the existing uh, little Apple TV box, I don't think that matters as much as what they're going to do with the content inside. You know, things like Siri on a TV... You know, maybe you talk into your iPhone and it communicates with the TV and changes channels or records something or, you know, finds you a show. It does the search automatically. But that's a feature.
0: And that's, you can do it now. Apple can do that right now. All they have to do is connect the remote on your iPhone or iPad to Siri so you can say start, stop, whatever. Right. And work with your Apple TV to provide that. In terms of basic interface, that stuff can be done by Apple with a software update.
4: Yes. And that's what I say. That's that's a, a simple feature. That's not a game changer in the industry. I mean, as soon as last year when people started saying, Oh, it's gonna be Siri on a TV, you started to see TV companies saying, Oh well we we have voice activation on on ours or we're going to in next year we're gonna have voice activation. But To me, that's not what it's about.
0: And the thing you have to realize, too, is the way the industry was spooked by the possibility Apple would build their own TV set. Look at Lenovo. Now, Lenovo, as I said in our previous segment with Adam Engst, does really good PC notebooks. The ThinkPad, which came from IBM, one of the better PC notebooks. So they introduced a line of K-series TVs at Consumer Electronics Show this year in 42, 50, 55-inch sizes, and they're available in China, not in the United States yet. But you think, would they have done that if the industry didn't expect Apple to do something?
4: Well, and the industry has been famous for responding to what Apple is doing. You know, they've been doing that for years uh, on the iPod, uh, the Macs, you know, the, the designs are, are very similar, and that's continued through the iPhone and iPad as well. So the industry doesn't want to get too far away from wherever Apple is because they know that Apple, uh, Apple's products are popular. So it's going to be tough to be an existing consumer electronics company, and basically your your goal is to stay close to Apple. I mean, nobody is is saying that they will be number one. Apple is number one. And everybody else fights for number two.
0: And you have to look at what has happened here. A lot of the decisions made about tablets in 2010 were in anticipation of the iPad. Yeah. Of course, they all failed, but they didn't have compelling versions of tablets in the Android universe, whatever, or in the Windows universe until the iPad came along and showed them the way.
4: That's right. That is exactly right. And, and that's going to continue. I think, you know, they're, they're trying to, to try and anticipate where Apple is going. But the problem that, that I see with that is, is that they're thinking too small, you know, and, and, that doesn't change. They they think, oh well, the big revolution is going to be, for instance, voice on the TV. That's that's not the big revolution.
0: That's already so, here.
4: That's already here. So you know when they when people think small like that, um, they kind of well they obviously they miss the bigger picture. Um, so that's what I think is is happening.
0: They're not looking over the fact of what Tim Cook has said. And what Steve Jobs has said over the years, which is that Apple builds a product you didn't think you needed, but once it's out, you can't live without it. Right. So if we can sit here and predict, for example, the form of the TV set Apple might deliver, we're missing everything because it's not that it is the way that we watch TV and the way we receive our programming. And a lot of changes have to be made and not necessarily with an Apple-branded subscription TV service, because that's going to run up against bandwidth limits by ISPs, because the ISPs, most of whom have a cable TV division or something, are going to say, well, why are we giving Apple free reign? They're taking services away from us. It can't happen that way. It has to be more.
4: Well, I mean, it it does have to be more, but even if Apple started small in in how they are... um, how they're going to change that industry um you know that's that's something that that has to be considered i mean they, they you don't have to change everything right away you have to show the path that you're taking and you know apple
0: has, has to be an opening act it has to be an opening yeah. act and we'll get into more of that in a couple of moments we have jim dalrample of the loop at loopinsight.com and as you've noticed this segment so far He is not ready to offer any inside information as to whether there's an Apple Smart TV in our future. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
14: But the dream turns out to be true and thrusts him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now, the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors classic science fiction at its best available now for more details or to place your order visit rockoids.com that's r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s rockoids Com.
2: Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, December 14th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at sixteen ninety-seven seventy. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 17 dollars for a half-ounce, or four thirty-four ninety-five for a quarter-ounce. That's $17.39.81, and four thirty-four ninety-five.
13: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237.
15: positive results from satisfied customers of heart and body extract continue to pour into our website hbextract.com
3: this is out from new jersey one day i saw your ad for heart and body extract and it mentioned that it would help me with angina so i decided to order i
8: figure i had nothing to
15: lose heart and body extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects
3: I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone.
15: Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com.
3: I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and body extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely
11: gone.
15: Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life.
10: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at Tech Night Owl.com. That's news at Tech Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at Tech slash radio. That's Tech slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
0: We're talking about the possibilities of an Apple Smart TV, the good, the bad and the ugly, with Jim Dalrymple of the loop at LoopInsight.com. Jim, the question I would have here is, the problems that we perceive in the way TV programming is delivered, which is perceived to be one of the key problems, or in the way, for example, you handle multiple devices on your TV set? You know, you have Apple TV, for example, you have uh, Roku. Some of you, three or four, might have a Google TV. You have the gaming console. You might have two gaming consoles. You have the Blu-ray player. You have all this stuff. That is a problem, integrating all that and switching from one to the other. That's problem number one. Problem number two is the way you get TV shows, smoothing that out. So we see problems, and obviously if I could solve the problems, I'd be working for Apple and making millions of dollars a year and working with them to get it done.
4: Well, you know, it. I think the situation that we're in now with the TV is kind of like the situation we were in uh, a number of years ago where you had the personal information manager, and then you had a separate phone, and then you had a separate uh, music player. And, you know, Apple kind of brought that all into one device. Maybe that's part of the uh, the solution for what they have coming up
0: you're thinking in terms then of a single device that does it all but then apple would want you to get your content online right and that could be done even with a deal with the cable and satellite providers using apple as a front end right okay so instead of leasing you a dvr they lease you the service and you use an apple tv or something you don't need the apple tv set and that gets back to the other thing here Why do we need Apple to build the whole TV set unless they can deliver something more? And so far, I'm only seeing the set-top box or the interface with your services. I'm not seeing what the TV could do.
4: Well, the the TV could be the entire integrated OS for those that want, you know, an Apple branded television. The TV would probably have other hardware features that, you know, a, a little box couldn't. You got to remember that there are features like AirPlay, you know, going directly from your, your iPad or iPhone or Mac to the TV. I mean, these are all features and you can do that now with the existing Apple TV, but i would I would see an Apple television set having a few more features and a better design than what we currently see.
0: okay, let's look at the problems with the t. v. set, One of which is if you want to customize the picture to your tastes, the interfaces are horrible. Maybe Apple can provide some kind of automatic room to t. v. set configuration, so it does an automatic calibration, okay. And you don't think you need that until you get a better picture. Because now you can do that manually with any set with a varying degree of success. You can buy these DVDs that you can use to fine-tune your TV's picture. I've used one. You can also hire one of these third-party services for two or $300, and they will tune up your TV set, which is almost preposterous. You spend six or $800 for a TV and spend another $300 to have somebody come to make the picture look good. I know. So there's an issue right there. Setting up your TV, number one, to give the best possible picture wherever you're using it because every room is a different situation. Lighting is different. Even now, TV sets make a passable effort adjust to lighting conditions. Turn on the lights, turn them off, that kind of thing. Audio. Audio in TVs is really, really not very good, so you have to buy an accessory sound system you, unless you get something like a Bose Video Vision, which has a built-in, tricked-out sound system, but it costs $5,000. Or more. Yeah. So am I in the ballpark here of suggestions of where Apple could make a difference with a TV set?
4: You know, th- there are so many ways that Apple could improve the the situation right now. I mean, the way that it sits right now, cable companies and networks have the power. And everybody else just kind of builds this, this box, this TV set that allows you to get that signal. But it's broken. It's not how we, we consume media these days. We consume... Uh, television shows when we want not when the show well sort of the the networks say when they'll they'll air it and then we can consume it live or we can record it and or buy it on itunes movies the same way we want to be able to consume all the media everything that we have right now that's it and to a large extent with cable it's not it's not fully that way yet you know, there's the commercials, there's, you know, things that we skip through all the time. But, you know, those are all ways that, that Apple could come in and make a difference.
0: Well, the question would be also here does Apple in the end make a deal, strike a deal with the existing content providers? Because once again, if they want to replace those content providers, you run up against bandwidth problems.
4: Well, and yeah, I mean, that's something that has to be considered too, because. I mean, ISPs have to, to step up here and and stop being like trolls under the bridge because that's what they are. They keep talking about the bandwidth caps and, and things like that. But in order to watch movies and and television shows and, and stream this stuff, even Netflix, I mean, you don't download it. So you're not getting that the hard drive space, but you are streaming the content. And, and a lot of that now is in HD. So... ISPs really need to step up and say, okay, we'll allow you to do that. Because you have heard of, of some people getting cut off or uh, ISPs contacting them and telling them that they're using too much. That's just crazy. And in, in 2012, we should never hear that, but we do.
0: Now, the question I would have here then is about bandwidth caps. The service I use now has 250 gigabytes a month. A previous service, I got three or 400, but I don't use that much because I don't download much video. What do you get with your ISP? You're up in Canada. What kind of limits do you
4: have to face? To be honest, I don't know. I've I've never. I mean, I have a fiber connection, and it's it's fast. It's about seventy or hundred, megs down, and I think thirty up. So it's a very fast connection. Stays up, you know, ninety nine percent of the time. And I don't know what the bandwidth cap is. I mean, I watch movies and and Netflix and stream music and all that all the time. All the time.
0: And you don't get any nasty letters saying you have exceeded your limit. I know in the United States, most of the ISPs have bandwidth caps. And I agree that's 20 years old. Now, I understand they don't want to stress the capacity of their system. I don't know how much bandwidth they can offer before too many people are taking too much of their pipes and they'd run into server situations.
4: Well, I, it's, it's like the the deal with um, uh, AT&T. Years ago, when Apple was going to release a 3G phone and, and AT&T, uh, its network just couldn't handle everybody having 3G because the iPhone was so popular. Well, it seems to be the same way with uh bandwidth i mean these companies have gone so long without upgrading anything that you know users are kind of left they're they're stuck
0: and i'll tell you something else we'll have more of this in a moment with jim dalrymple of the loop at loopinsight.com i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night Alive. live
17: Rising food prices, extreme weather, political and economic uncertainty. The one lesson learned by those who lived through Hurricane Katrina. If you're counting on your government to show up and take care of you in the event of a major disaster, you just might have to wait a long, long time. Will your family be ready in the event of an unexpected disaster or disruption? The best step towards preparedness is a quality, storable food supply from Dry Harvest Foods. Dry Harvest offers healthy, high-quality, storable food that you can depend on. Our food packages contain real meat, real butter, real cheese, with none of those cheap ingredients like soy protein substitutes. Dry Harvest has the highest calorie count per dollar in the industry. you can feel confident and ready in these uncertain times some people worry others prepare call dry harvest foods at 406-587-4181 or visit callnow.org that's dry harvest foods 406-587-4181 and visit callnow.org
18: prices are for base buildings only and may not be available in some areas this is an alert. If your business or church is building next year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. Call General Steel now for the quality and the price in a pre-engineered steel building that you just can't beat. That's right. General Steel can save you thousands of dollars with a pre-engineered steel building designed for your business or church. What does this mean? How about a 50 by 100 foot building for under $30,000? Don't pay thousands more than you should without calling General General Steel. First, call eight six six ninety nine steel today and save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. Don't let rising steel prices put your project in jeopardy. Call now to lock in your price for three months. Call eight six six ninety nine steel. That's eight six six nine nine seven eight three three five. Don't spend thousands of dollars more than you should. Call eight six six ninety nine steel today.
2: My name
8: is Josh. One World Whey is the best in the market, hands down. I'm in the U.S. Navy, and I live a very active lifestyle. Being a vegetarian, it's hard getting all the protein I need. I tried the vegan protein powders, and I just wasn't feeling any change. The meathead supplement store whey protein kind of worked for a bit, but it left me feeling bloated, and my digestion seemed to slow down. By some divine stroke of luck, I heard a commercial of One World Way on the radio, and it struck my interest. I have to tell you, I am so glad I got it. I have been taking it for a week, and the results are amazing. I don't feel tired when I have to get up at 4.30 a.m. I look and feel better. I recover faster from my two workouts a day. When I don't have time to eat good food, I take it. And I don't feel the urge to stuff my face for hours. I got up this morning and I looked at the leanest I've looked since high school. I can go on and on. The best I can do to repay you is buy more and tell my friends.
19: Call 888 988 3325. That's 888 988 3325. Or visit OneWorldWHEY.com.
3: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl,
0: live with Gene Steinberg. So it's the bandwidth cap from your ISP that can drive you crazy. And what you're saying, Jim Dalrymple, is possibly they're so busy adding the ability to hook people up, signing people up, that they don't think about The network server capacity and what to do to increase their pipes. They rather get signups and deal with that later.
4: Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I mean, they don't mind having the new customers. That's not a problem. They love that. But you know, they they don't want to have to upgrade their network so that everybody can have a fast connection. And by the time they do upgrade, it's it's sometimes it's too late, like what AT and T did. You know, you just kind of get the feeling that at and says, oh, we're going to spend all this money and upgrade uh, our technology. Great. Well, why didn't you do that uh, five years ago when the problem started?
0: Because okay. you don't want to spend the money. You want to keep the money. And if you've allocated the money, let it earn interest in the bank and use it kicking and screaming. So we have an issue here that has to be resolved. And we have to see whether or not Apple will resolve it and whether it requires Apple to build the TV set or the set-top box. Let's move to mapping. There was a brouhaha in Australia where supposedly an error in Apple Maps could put people stranded in the wilderness. You heard of that?
4: Yes. Yes, I did.
0: Okay, so Apple solved the problem. At the same time, there was another report that Google Maps had a bug in another city that could get you led astray. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not like you'd be careful... <laughs> Before you throw those stones because of your glass house,
4: yeah, well, you know I, I, when it comes right down to it, I think um, both companies got the the data from the Australian government right, so it's the Australian it, government's problem. it's yeah. their fault well, I mean there the, there's no doubt that Apple Maps needs some work, you know, but uh, from an interface standpoint. I like it better than Google Maps. I like the navigation better than Google Maps. So, Apple needs to fix the the data uh, that's in there, and it's not it's not the street by street data. It's it's the, the, the satellite views and the, the flyovers and stuff like that where roads are, are bent and crooked and bridges are missing and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, but if it puts you seventy miles off. But no, then again, no. if that's the result of the Australian government, we we'll just blame them. Of course we have listeners in Australia who might take offense. No
4: and and that's I keep saying that You voted
0: for those people. You put them in
4: government office, right? Go ahead. I I keep saying that MAPS does need work. There's no doubt about that. MAPS needs work. But. It, maps. I've said this from the very beginning. I got an iPhone before they were released with Maps on it, and it worked for me in California, and it works for me at at home on the other side of the continent. Uh, I've I've never had a problem with Maps. So for me, I don't need Google Maps because Apple Maps works great, and with the better interface and with the better turn by turn, and at least in my experience. Uh, I like it better. And I'm not about to throw out an app because popular opinion is that it's a, it's a piece of crap. I don't think it is. You know, it works for me, so I'm going to continue to use it.
0: Now, the that I see, I don't see the one. Now, the problem I see is different. I'm not left in a wilderness that's 40 miles off. The problem I see happens when I'm going to a restaurant that's located in a shopping mall or a strip mall. Where I have to make a left turn to get to that location, Siri says, make a U-turn. But Google Maps makes some silly mistakes, too. In the case of Google Maps, I wanted it to direct me to a local health food store, and it had me on the right street, but two miles short of my destination. Now, as most of you listeners know, Google has now released a version of their mapping software for the iOS has all their great technologies and everything on it, even has voice navigation turn by turn, but the voice is robotic. It's not Siri.
4: Yeah, yeah, I I, I noticed that too. And that was, um, it, it, it's just the whole experience. I mean, I did this this morning. I took my uh, my daughter in for a university exam this morning, and I used Google Maps to get in there. Now, clearly, I knew where I was going. Um, but I used Google Maps and it picked a uh, a route that was pretty close to where I would go, so on the way in, I decided not to follow the directions and just see what what Google Maps would do. You know is it going to reroute you very quickly, or so I went off off the route and it was slow in rerouting me like it was trying to figure out. What I was doing, you know, why did you go off route? Uh, So it was slow in, in rerouting me. And when it did try and reroute me, it kept trying to take me back to the original route instead of saying, "Okay, you're here. And the best way to get to where you're going would be this way. Instead, it tried to make me backtrack. And get on the the original road again, which is not the way that it should be. No, it isn't
0: usually what it does. It's supposed to calculate the route from where you are to your destination.
4: That's what Apple does. Right. So on the way home, I used Apple Maps. And when I I went off route, it... It's like it it started over again and said, okay, you're here. The best way to get to where you're going is this way. And it didn't try and make me go back to, to the original route at all, which is, I think, how it should be. It should look at where you are and say, okay, then off we go. But Google Maps didn't do that. And last night when I downloaded Google Maps... I typed in, you know, when you're sitting there with a a map and you want to test it, uh, I typed in one of my favorite restaurants a few miles away from my house, and Google Maps took me to India.
0: Was it an Indian restaurant? No. Well, there happens to be a very good Indian restaurant about five miles from where I live, and for lunch today, I'm going to ask Google Maps to try to find the right location and direct me there. Maybe I'll go for the lunch buffet. And let's see where it takes me. What planet I end
4: up on. <laughs> well, you could end up in uh, in India. You never know.
0: Well, I'd love to go to India if Google wants to pay the plane fare. It's not as if they can't afford it. Get on a plane and go to India and do some meditation on the way or something. Because it's the only way I'll get there without the plane ticket.
4: You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with it, but I, I just enjoyed the experience better with, with maps than than I did with Google maps and other people are going to enjoy Google maps better because it's what they know and, and, and they believe in, in that. And that's great. Ultimately, you know, the consumer us were better off because, you know, Google is now on, on maps. Um, or Google is now on iOS with, with its maps. Apple has maps. And consumers can choose. I mean, there's still all of the, the third-party mapping applications and, and uh, navigation applica- apps like uh, Navigon and, and TomTom and, and these ones that you can use as well. So there's a lot of things that we can use.
0: There's a story in the New York Times this week suggesting that Google Maps hurts Nokia
4: Well, Nokia just released their their maps application, too.
0: I wasn't impressed. No, neither was I. (laughs) But of course, Nokia is suffering everywhere.
4: Well, yeah. And for me, it wasn't so much the data that Nokia had. Um, You know, that could have been very good. And and but it was the interface. I thought the interface was just terrible. So, you know. I like to enjoy what I do. I mean, you know, if you're going to work with a mapping application, it should look good. It should act good. And, you know, Google has changed its interface for some of its mobile apps over, uh, well, in, in the latter half of 2012. And it's a nice interface. They, You know, it's not that they did a bad job with it. It's just it's not, it's not up to, to par with what Apple does for its interfaces.
0: Now, based on one of the reviews, the early reviews I read of Google Maps for the iOS, their particular point of view was that the iOS interface for Google Maps is now better than the one you get with Google Maps on an Android phone. We'll have more to go with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
14: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dream turns out to be true and thrusts him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now, the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors.
20: What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material, like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood, and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to Stock StockStorage.com and see three great Grover rocket stoves. Stainless steel, heavy duty, or our original Grover rocket stove for only $135. And get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover rocket stove minimal wood use cooking stoves. Available exclusively from StockStorage.com.
8: You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to grandma's house pro em1 supports a healthy regular digestive system supports weight loss and improves absorption of food nutrients improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with pro em1 probiotic cleanse call or click Terraganics.com. spelled teragani xcom toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678 TerraGanics, life's getting better
3: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. We started off talking about whether Apple is going to build a TV set. And I guess the jury's out. Maybe it's just going to be a spruced up Apple TV or something. The question is, what can Apple do with a TV business where you can't predict that you need what they're going to offer, but they'll offer something really good. Now, with Google Maps, I am seeing, and I expect to see members of the media fawning over that app, no matter how good or bad it is, only because, aha, Apple's bad. Google must be good.
4: Yeah, I, I agree i agree that's close to to what will happen i think and it's not the way it should be but you know it's the way it is anything to uh uh, to make apple look bad sometimes it it seems to be the way that uh it'll go
0: exactly and here we're going to see all the reviews and i want to see if they have photos or screenshots showing google maps and apple maps and let's see who does the errors. Let's compare where Apple has screwed up. Let's see what Google does. Where Google screws up, let's see what Apple does.
4: Yeah. And you know that somebody will do that. You know, that's fine. But there's a whole group of people like me that Apple Maps works for and, you know, I'm not I'm not going to keep using Apple Maps because it's Apple and uh, I like Apple, so I'm not going to use anything else. No, I want to use whatever works. And I want to use the best interface and, and everything that I can. But, you know, for all the problems that people talk about with Apple Maps, I don't see them. So I'll just continue using that. If If there comes a time when, you know, Apple Maps takes me miles out of my way, then, yeah, I'll use something else.
0: I'm looking right now at Indian restaurants with Google Maps, and I want to see which ones they find. And I guess they looked at the one that's nearest to me. Now, I assume Google here is using Zagat for its restaurant reviews because they own that company, whereas Apple will link to Yelp.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's little differences like that.
0: And like I say, I wrote India restaurant, Indian restaurant. Instead of giving me a list, they just took me to what they perceived to be the nearest one, which, of course, is not the nearest one.
4: Hmm. Well.
0: So there you go. I mean, it did give me the right directions to Cheesecake Factory. So I guess it'll help me soon find my favorite Indian restaurant. So now that Google is offering turn-by-turn navigation, have you thought of this possibility? Do you think maybe if Google offered turn-by-turn navigation as a feature for the Apple product a year or two ago, maybe Apple wouldn't have switched? Or would they have switched anyway?
4: Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, Google wouldn't give them vector layers, and they wouldn't give them turn-by-turn directions. They were holding that for Android users. So Apple kicked them out, and all of a sudden they bring all this stuff in. I mean, that, that was just, that's a terrible thing, I think, that they did.
0: So now with Google Maps for the iOS, you have turn-by-turn navigation, you have vector graphics. What that means is the app comes up faster, uses less bandwidth. Supposedly looks better. Of course, I'm still playing with Google Maps, so we'll have to see. And I will continue to try it against Apple's Maps and see which one really does better without the fawning. We'll find out. But let's not have the new conventional wisdom to prevail here. Apple bad... Google good, because that's what we're hearing.
4: No, that's right. They, you can't do that.
0: Also, we're seeing, of course, that Apple's stock is still kind of down the dumps. Do you think it's because investors are talking down Apple, or is that kind of
4: reset normal, par for the course? That's a good question. It, I mean. Stocks go up and down all the time, and it's Apple is still making monster profits, and they're still selling a ton of devices. So it's hard to to figure out what happens in the stock market. For me, anyway, I I can't figure those guys out.
0: Well, I don't invest in the stock market, and I'm not in a position to spend even five hundred twenty-five dollars for a stock, let alone twenty-five dollars for Microsoft stock, which has gone nowhere.
4: Yeah, yeah. That's that's terrible too.
0: By the way, have you heard any of these reports that with the Surface tablet, Microsoft plans to increase distribution beyond their chain of stores? If it's sold in more places, they might sell more units. Although
4: nobody's buying it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Hoping and praying. Did you play with the Surface? No, I played with some of the uh, some of the other ones that they had, the Asus or you know whatever those ones are.
0: What I can't understand is all these tablets that they're still selling for PCs, all they are are swivel, reversible, convertible screens. Whichever way you can turn a screen, they do it. So there's this ad, for example, on TV where you see somebody looking at a star map. They then forward the star map to another PC user. And the person who receives it, before they even look at it, you see them suddenly making some kind of weird maneuver to reverse the screen or swivel the screen or something like that. And you think, when they recorded this commercial, how many times did the actor have to practice that maneuver <laughs> before yeah. getting it seamless? You have to see people there saying, okay, I've got to reverse my PC here, and let me twist Oh,
21: I broke the swivel base.
0: Or it takes 20 minutes to figure out how to do the Heimlich maneuver.
4: Yeah, I, I, you gotta wonder about that stuff. It's kind of funny.
0: Anyway, it's locating the restaurant, the Indian restaurant, which is called Guru Palace. And here's a 3D view. Now I'm going to expand the 3D view. And now I'm looking at it. Now, to be honest, I don't see that it looks all that much better than what you get from Apple Maps. But looking at it more carefully, the interface is kind of weird. So, for example, if you want to look at the Google Earth view, to do that, you've got to go to a separate app, I gather. So I'll take a chance and see how well it gives me directions. In fact, I'll go on that trip maybe this afternoon after we finish this interview. And if I end up at the Chinese restaurant in the other direction or a Kentucky Fried Chicken, I will know I have made a serious mistake.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Good luck getting to lunch.
0: Yeah, you know, of course, uh, you can buy me lunch the next time you're here. We'll just do it that way. (laughs) I am kidding, because he'll probably expect me to buy him lunch. You ever get down to Arizona?
4: I was only ever in Arizona once, and I loved it. I was in Scottsdale. Right. Um, I thought it was a great place. Loved it there.
0: But you're born and raised in Canada. Yeah. Nova Scotia, where you are now? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're a homeboy. Still here. They haven't thrown you out yet.
4: No, well, they may soon, but not yet.
0: Well, I don't know. It depends on whether the city uses Macs or Windows. <laughs>
4: yeah, they might want to keep me around.
0: Uh, uh. So this final thing here, predicting or looking at the holiday season, you agree with me, PC sales down, yep. tablet sales up, yep. Apple still has near 50% of the market, More and more people moving to the iPad mini, which will probably next year or the year after become the mainstream iPad. Right. And by next spring or summer, the second generation iPad mini will have a retina display. Sounds reasonable. Okay. And the next generation, fifth generation iPad will be thinner and lighter.
4: Sounds reasonable.
0: I like this. Let's go on for a couple more. And the next iPhone will be a 5S?
4: Again, reasonable.
0: Okay. And the Mac that Apple builds in the U.S. is the Mac Pro? Reasonable to me. You think that's the most sensible one? That's the one where they don't have to use weird construction processes.
4: Yeah. So yeah, a- I mean, Apple's going to invest a, a ton of money in, in manufacturing in the U.S., but they have to be reasonable uh, with... Uh, the workforce that's that's available to them and you know they've talked about this before they you know the the types of manufacturing jobs are uh, the, this isn't like the old assembly line on a on a uh, a car where you're bolting things on i mean this is pretty precise work still um and china you know full credit to them they've they've done a lot to uh to have their workers available to the world uh, to be able to make this stuff so you know, we'll see what, uh, what comes out of it. But the Mac Pro makes, makes the most sense to me.
0: And since Foxconn wants to build a plant in America, that's probably where it'll be built.
4: Well, you would think so. I mean, Apple's been with Foxconn for, for many years. And when you have a, a partner that understands uh, what you're all about and, and is used to making those, uh, those products for you, why wouldn't you continue to use them?
0: Jim Dalrymple, where do we find more of your stuff?
4: You can find me at Jay Dalrymple on Twitter and at loopinsight.com.
0: Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene.
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network.
13: Wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health. Two reasons you
15: may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision, plasma, pH drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses. Bacteria and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A, vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health with pH drops from AlkaVision.com.
10: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And typical of this time of year, they've come up with a list, a list for this, a list for that, And when going over the material, I decided let's start from the bottom. So everything we present after that can only get better. Okay, the biggest tech failures of the year, and I'm going to ask you one question here. Where does Maps for iOS 6 stand amongst those tech failures?
22: Number one. With a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Especially after this week, well, it was displaced by Google Maps, which is a good thing for anyone who owns an iPhone, but even before that, the uh, Australian police had to warn people not to use it because it was giving them life-threatening directions. They wanted to go to one town, they were being directed to another town that was 70 kilometers away that was actually not a town, but was in the middle of the wilderness (laughs) where they could be attacked by animals or get stuck. You understand, Avram? this is based
0: on data from the Australian government, and Apple fixed it when they found out. And there is another police department in Australia warning against Google Maps for making an error that puts people on a one-way street.
22: Well, obviously points to something that some of us older folk like myself have said for a while, which is you can't blindly trust GPS, now, if it's routing you in such a way that it's credible, and you might you might be fooled, but I've I've many times had GPS things tell me to turn into like to turn into a wall, and uh, you know I'm not going to sit there and turn into a wall. Well, so. I went to
0: a restaurant just the other day, an Indian restaurant, and I used the new Google Maps for iOS. All right, mm-hmm. and it said you're at your destination. Turn right. On the right was the Wells Fargo Bank. On the left was the restaurant, so it sent me the wrong way. Not that Apple's Maps are great, but there's one thing that maybe some people didn't notice. When you use Google Maps for iOS and you get turn-by-turn navigation, at least in my experience, the first time you do it, there's a disclaimer that says it's a beta. Got to accept it.
22: Yeah, I mean, but if you're going to put it on there, it has to meet a certain standard. The beta thing has been used as an excuse for years, and, and not and more by Google than anybody else. I mean, they they come out with products that are basically the selling point of something, and say, oh, and when they it's screwed up, oh yeah, this is in beta. For example, Google Now apparently is in beta and is really, you know, something with a wonderful potential, but works in practice. In my experience, works works terribly. Uh, but the excuse is that it's in beta. Yet everybody wants Jelly Bean. Wants Android 4, something with a device with Android 4.1 or 4.2, so that they can have Google now, which doesn't work very well. But it will, we hope. But even then, it'll still be in beta. I think Gmail was in beta for 10 years. Yeah,
0: as a matter of fact, when Gmail first came into beta, I don't think my son was even in high school yet, at least as far as I recall. But you know, with Google, everything's a beta. I think Apple would have been better when they introduced maps for iOS 6. They called it. A public beta and said, Look, this is the first iteration. But the advantage is, at least on the iOS platform, you have choices. If you don't like what Apple does, you have Google, you have Nokia, and lots of other choices. So, for better or worse, Apple has made it possible for you to have a wide variety of navigation applications that are designed to suit your particular needs. But I'm still not 100% confident with mapping systems. You know, they all make mistakes.
22: Yeah, I mean, you you just uh, you just can't uh, you just you just can't necessarily take take them at, at face value. But the Apple one was so bad that it was um, was so bad that I mean, it was embarrassing.
0: Okay, I realize here before we even continue that we're not going to be able to cover every single entry in your list. We'll just cover the highlights. So once again, we know that Apple Maps is number one among the worst tech failures with a bullet. So now let's go down the list one at a time before we get to our other categories.
22: So second of all, so after Apple Maps, we've named, uh, we give the false start award to Windows 8 for uh, the much talked about missing start button. Uh, that's a fail because it, in, as we've talked about extensively in the past, it makes people work harder it goes against what users want to promote a business objective from Microsoft, uh, and and it's getting a lot of negative feedback. And even usability uh, people say this is this is a bad move. Um, we also give uh, we also have to award based on our testing uh, the worst sales pitch of 2012 to Dell, which uh, when which apparently pretends that you've won a sweepstakes or won a drawing uh, when you call in for a uh, when you call in for tech support or at least they did in our case in one of the calls tech support calls we made to them uh, they tell you you're a winner a winner of what a winner of the right to buy a $500 extended warranty for only $317 uh, so they're very uh, they use sales tactics like that or they have used uh, sales tactics like that to try and push uh, warranties on people rather than really putting the time and effort into helping them when they call for support call. Uh, we found that out when we did our annual, uh, tech support showdown, uh, Dell, of course, uh, put up a blog post saying that they need to do better. Um, but they did not say they need to do better and they don't, you know, it's against their policy to, to come up with bogus sweepstakes like this. But at the same time, uh, you know what they they didn't say that they're not going to try and hawk warranties at people and so we give them the award this award um another another fail came from asus this year asus uh, has come up with some great products but uh, culturally sometimes they have an issue uh where they don't understand the things that they're saying are sexist and will be seen as offensive by a western audience uh They've done a number of things over the years that kind of ring wrong, but uh, the one that stood out this year is uh, that at Computex uh, they tweeted a picture of one of the, their models, one of their booth babes, uh, her backside holding a holding a, a new a new computer, and the tweet said, "The rear looks pretty nice. So does the new Transformer All-in-One." Oh boy. And uh, they got a lot of flack for that. They deleted it and then they claimed it was some third party person going on to their their Twitter feed. Uh, I don't believe that. Asus is you know, it's I just think they don't realize maybe how offensive some of these things are because maybe they're not considered as offensive in Taiwan. I don't I don't know. But uh, you know, they've they've had a number of things where they've advertised, for example, their EPCs is good for women and children, things like that. Um Facebook. We give the IPO award because uh, the what award? The IPO award. Uh oh. Am I still there, sounding goes, clear? Yes. Okay. Uh oh. Because because their IPO was an IPO. The um, you know their stock launched a tr- price of initial pr- initial price of thirty eight dollars and twenty three cents. But it immediately plunged when people found out that they weren't monetizing uh, mobile traffic like everyone thought that they were, uh, and now it's down to you know in the mid twenties. So you know, talk about talk about a foul for those who invested, and in, you know, controversy because they didn't disclose all the information that they had. Um, we have to give you know the biggest rip-off award to AT&T and Verizon for implementing their shared data plans. Uh, a lot of people look at these and they think that they're getting a good deal because you don't have to have a separate plan for each of your gadgets. Like if you've got, you know, you've got a phone and you've got a tablet and you've got, I don't know, a hotspot, they're all on one pool of data. The problem is that it's, while that's better than having three separate plans, you're still paying. You're actually paying through the nose uh, for unlimited talk and unlimited text that you weren't paying for before. So where you might have an individual plan that was seventy dollars uh, on Verizon and, and had gave you two gigabytes and limited talk and text, but people who who call makes calls anymore. Um, you, you pay $100 for the same plan now.
0: Yes, lots of fine print, lots of permutations. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
21: They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
6: If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sleeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your
2: tax nightmare.
21: Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
10: we have Abram
0: Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com looking at the 10 worst. And one of the issues that he has problems with is the new plans from some of the wireless carriers where you have this shared plan where more is less. And I figured out what it would cost for AT&T. And no matter how I figured it, it was still $30 more expensive while giving up my grandfathered unlimited data plan.
22: Yeah, the grandfathered plan... If you still have a grandfathered unlimited data plan, which I do on Verizon, for example, don't tell them. You can never buy and get a new phone again. Well, you can. You can never get it on subsidy. You'd have to buy it retail and pay five, $600 for the phone. But for the unlimited data at this point, I think it's actually even worth it. Unlimited data was, was eliminated as an option a long time ago. I think it was over a year ago. What happened this summer, this past summer, is Verizon AT&T introduced a shared introduced shared data plans, and Verizon actually is forcing all of the people who are on their traditional plans. Well, they're not for you can stay on their traditional plan if you were on it, but any new subscriber has to get. The shared has to get the shared data plan, which costs more because there's no way to get the shared data plan with a limited number of talk and text, so they're building in the cost of unlimited talk and text into it. It's also not truly shared because you still have to pay for every each device. You're not paying for data for each device, but you have to pay, I think it's $20 for a smartphone and uh, $10 for a tablet a month. So what this is displacing is, uh, in the past, before these... If you wanted to have, you know, a 4G iPad and you wanted to have your 4G phone, your 4G iPad had to have its own plan, which would be somewhere between $50 and $70 a month by itself. And it'd have its own 4 gigabytes of data that was not shareable with your phone, which would have its own, you know, however many gigabytes of data. The pooling of the data makes sense. But... It doesn't work out economically, especially for people who don't own a lot of devices that they want on the internet, because the base plan costs more, and actually even more than the base plan. It just like in doing this they raise the price slightly, and they also raise, they also force you onto unlimited minutes and unlimited text and charge you for that because they realize as, as we all do that the value of texts and voice is a lot less than the value of data. So consequently, you end, you end up paying more. As I said before, th- $30 more for an individual plan with the same amount of data. And really, if you want to share data between devices, there's a really easy way. Just use your device, use your phone as a mobile hotspot, and don't get the other device, don't get dedicated, integrated 4G or 3G on the other devices. Similarly, AT&T has, an, has their own situation where it cost where it costs more every time. So here's something where the concept of sharing the data was good, but they managed to turn it to their advantage, not to yours. Now just
0: parenthetically here, we're seeing a new plan that's coming next year from T Mobile, which evidently is getting the iPhone in twenty thirteen. And their plan would give up subsidies, but in a sense you pay the same because what you would do here is you get the regular minute plan with whatever data you're getting. I guess they have unlimited minutes and unlimited data, whatever it is. And then you buy the phone at the retail price, but you pay a monthly fee for it. So say you pay $200 up front and $20 a month for the next 20 months or something. It's the same thing you're doing now, except they separate the charges.
22: Yeah. I think the 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 thought was that in the end, it would work out better for you. Well, uh,
0: it's more informative. You know how much money you're spending on the phone. You know, your phone costs you so much money. You're making a commitment like, of course, a standard loan. It's like a loan. You're paying one-third down or something for your iPhone, and you pay the balance over a period of months, monthly installments. Okay, that makes sense. This way, you know what you're really paying for these products, and you also know that, okay, after that, the phone is mine. I'm no longer paying a subsidy for anything. It's no longer that higher fee because right now you pay a fee, say for AT&T and Verizon or Sprint that rolls in the cost of a subsidized product. But once yeah. the subsidized product is paid for, it never goes down.
22: Yeah, also what I like about what T-Mobile is doing is I believe that I don't think you're obligated to get the phone from them. I mean, I I had to check on that, but I think you could bring any T Mobile compatible phone you want. Sure, you can, but the payment plan is when you buy it from them. Correct. But so let's say, though, I'm able to obtain an unlocked phone elsewhere for a lower price, then I never have to pay that rate for it. And so, you know, there's a lot of places out there selling unlocked phones. Some may be cheaper than others. If, if, if this were the standard plan on a, on, on a bigger carrier like Verizon or AT&T, I guarantee you we would see the, the price of unlocked phones or the price of non-contract phones, the retail, so-called retail price of phone phones drop dramatically. There's no question in my mind that the the dollars $700 that they're charging for these phones is a predatory price. The reason that they charge six and $700 for these phones and get away with it is because it's sort of like when you go to the doctor without insurance. There's nobody there to advocate for you. Or it's like, look, we know that you need a phone. We know you couldn't get it on subsidy for some reason. The reason is probably that your other phone broke or something like that. So we're going to charge you through the nose and take advantage of you. Well, if everything was off contract, then you would, I think you would see some price competition there. And uh, I think you would see some price competition there. And what and that's where you'd see prices go down. I believe, for example, right now that the, um, that the uh, Nexus 4, the Google Nexus 4, can be had for under $500. Uh, and, and that would run on T-Mobile. So there's a lot of incentive there. Also, if you really want to save, you could buy a used phone. Uh, There are other carriers that are non-contract carriers that are selling phones for $150, $200 uh, without a contract. Maybe you could get one of those and bring it to T-Mobile if you could unlock it. Uh, It also gives you the opportunity to buy a phone that maybe T-Mobile hasn't blessed. Like Sony has a number of really nice phones out there that they sell on Amazon, but they're, all, they're not sold at any subsidy, but if you're not going to pay a subsidy anyway and you're not going to be charged for one, why not go out and buy the best phone that you can, the one that you like the best? So I really like this idea if it means that it's divorcing the service from the phone. That's how we've lived in every other service service in our life, and that's how it really should have always been. With, phone, with wireless carriers. Your cable company does not does not tell you that you have a choice of a Panasonic or a Sony TV and that you've got to buy it through them. You know?
0: Well, I like the way T-Mobile is going to do it. Maybe that will form a change in the industry. My problem, though, is T-Mobile's network obviously is not as extensive or vast as Verizon or AT&T. So once T-Mobile adds the iPhone, we have to see how it works, how well the network spreads and maybe... When my AT&T contract is up, I will consider whether to go to T-Mobile. Now, this is not all the biggest tech failures that we're covering, but we want to get to the best laptops, smartphones, and tablets. With Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night How Live. <laughs>
16: What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the Freeze-Dry Guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com. Click on freeze-dried foods and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or 7-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freeze guy.com That's 866-404-3663 or go to freeze guy.com 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze-Dry Guy.
3: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. We did a little bit of the worst list. If you go to LaptopMag.com, you get the full list, okay? We're just covering the up. Highlights. highlights. Okay, laptops. Now, best laptops. I'll ask you the question: Any Apple products in there?
22: Nah. Why would there be? Just kidding. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, we have a couple Apple products in there. One of our absolutely favorite notebooks of the year is the MacBook Air 13. No surprise there. It's it wasn't dramatically changed from from the 2011 version but uh, still it you know it kicked up the ante with the Ivy bridge processor, got USB 3 and Thunderbolt ports uh, and dropped the price a bit. This is still for I would I still even as someone who doesn't is not a Mac person, uh, often tell people if you're impartial, if you don't care which platform you're on or you like the Mac platform or you're undecided, this is still the best value in an ultra portable It's light. It gets, a, gets you long battery life, beautiful colorful screen, good keyboard. Really, it's still still a winner. Really, we love both the MacBook Pros with Retina display, uh, but we chose for our list the 15-incher, uh, which, ha- which has which has just an incredibly an incredibly sharp 2880 by 1880 Retina display. Also gets fantastic battery life. And considering that it's 15 inches, only weighs 4.5 pounds and is only 0.7 inches thick. For a 13-inch notebook, that would be a little bulky. For a 15-inch, that's unheard of. So light, great screen, and of course, super-duper performance with the SSD. And, and uh, so if you can possibly afford it, the MacBook Pro with Retina, either the 13 or the 15, fantastic for creative professionals, people who want to do artwork. We Some can always
0: other... help, of course, the cost of retina displays. We'll like everything else come down, so maybe in a couple of years they could offer it somewhat cheaper. You never know.
22: You know, it's it seems like it should, right? I would expect that, for example, in twenty thirteen that the airs would get the retina display. It seems like Apple, with its great ability to control cost in the supply chain, should be able to drive that to drive that cost down. In fact, maybe it's already down and maybe it doesn't cost them that much anymore. They're just using it as a premium uh, selling point, but considering that they put Retina on a $500 iPad and on your iPhone, I think that they're going to kind of be obligated to put it on their less expensive notebooks, like the like the Air 13. And uh, I can't wait for that. That's going to make it. Re- that's going to make it e- a l- even more compelling device. Well, the other issue, of course, is the cost of solid state drives. Yeah. Well that's coming down depending on how much of a premium the uh, the vendor wants to charge you for it the cost to them isn't that bad how do I I know that well if you look at the cost to buy an upgrade SSD for yourself which by the way I highly recommend to the audience if you have a notebook that with excess where you can get the door of it open or the hatch of it open and you uses a standard 2.5 inch SSD. I believe the Airs, I believe the a- Apple systems are more complicated.
0: Well, the uh, Air is basically using chips. It's not using a drive. But I understand your point, but we need to move on here. Give yeah. a couple of other top notebooks.
22: Sure. So uh, we love the IdeaPad Yoga, which is the first notebook we've seen with a lid that can bend back 180 degrees. Also has a beautiful screen. Just gorgeous notebook. Great typing experience. Love the ThinkPad X1 Carbon, best business ultra portable you can get. Three pounds for a 14 inch notebook, sharp 1600 by 900 screen, rapid charge will bring you 80% charge in an hour, and gives you close to eight hours of battery life. Really, really like, as always, for gaming, the Alienware M18X. Real powerhouse gaming notebook, will just blow your mind, and looks good too with uh, all kinds of customizable lights. Okay, now one question I want to ask you here ultra books which were
0: designed to be the pc alternative to apple's macbook air they haven't done so well yet have they
22: they haven't we have a few on our list in for example the thinkpad x1 carbon is considered an ultra book the yoga is considered i believe considered an ultra book and we also have on our list the asus zenbook prime which i didn't mention before uh but you know so far there's kind of the word Ultrabook has become so muddied that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Is something an Ultrabook or not? We we often don't even see in advertising or spec sheets whether something is an Ultrabook. And it's sometimes really hard to say. I, I remember there was one product that we, one notebook we reviewed where they had an Ultrabook version and a non-Ultrabook version. And I think the non-Ultrabook version was a non-Ultrabook because it was too thick. But then once you put... No, but because it didn't have like an SSD cache or something, there's the whole thing is a standard by Intel, but it's confusing, and it doesn't necessarily, unfortunately, stand for quality because you have a lot of kind of cheap crap out there in the ultrabook space. Not everything is good, and then you have things, ultrabooks coming down to five six hundred dollars, but they're not necessarily. Mean the highest standard of quality and i think the biggest issue is battery life has been disappointing on a lot of these systems so we hope in 2013 to see uh more people stepping up but i don't think the ultrabook term itself is going to survive i i just hope that the spirit of it rather than the letter of it will survive
0: maybe their branding is being diluted with too many variations maybe tighter controls we can talk about that in the future
22: okay best tablets well it's not hard to pick which one would be number one, uh, and that, of course, that of course is the uh, is the fourth gen iPad, a latecomer in, in the year. Although the third gen iPad would have made the list if there was no fourth gen. I mean, it ha- it brings the beautiful Retina display. With the fourth gen, you get twelve hours of battery life. That's like four or five hours better than the next best that we've tested. Obviously, sharp performance, the biggest App Store and selection that you can get. Uh, and, you know, decent and decent cameras. I mean, you really, you know, you really can't, if you're on the fence and you're not sure whether you want Android or, or, or iOS, if you're, or you're, you know, inclined toward iOS, certainly this is something where the hardware and the software really deliver. Um, what about the iPad mini? The iPad mini, uh, we also put on our list. It's, it's certainly a good alternative for people who want something a little bit smaller, want to spend a little less. It's you know it is among the best of the year, but I would say that we're disappointed that it didn't have a little bit more innovation in terms of bringing the screen to Retina or other things. I guess they had to do something to get it in that cost range, but it's a very compelling product. We have a number of people here who are absolutely in love with it. Uh, So it's definitely good for people who want something smaller. Now, if you asked me what tablet I would buy, uh, I would go to what's number two on our list, the Google Nexus 7. Uh, The Google Nexus 7 really kind of changed the game for for tablets this year. Google's first branded tablet came out, and at $199, you got a real full-fledged tablet with a real full-fledged operating system on it. Unlike you get with the other low-cost tablets in the Kindle Fire and the Nook HD, or, or the Nook tablet before it, this is runs a full Android operating system with good multitasking, the full Google Play Store. It doesn't; ha- it's not just a, a front end for a store to buy things. Yes, it benefits Google because you'll buy things off of Play, Google's Play Store, but you don't have to, uh, and and it's really quite an excellent device. But I'm kind of holding out and hoping that in 2013 we'll see an even better version of it, an update. Perhaps they'll be able to give it a rear-facing camera, which the first was missing, maybe make it a little bit sleeker design uh, or better color on the screen. But it's it's uh, definitely an excellent tablet, excellent value, too. Uh, we also really like this year. Uh, we really liked the... Um, couple of the couple of um, reading tablets that we saw from barnes and noble and and uh, amazon this year they both took kicked it up a notch to hd so we like the kindle Fire hd and the uh, nook hd both in their seven inch and 8.9 inch sizes depending on how portable you want to go i'll we'll I- get into
0: more tablets and go to smartphones very briefly with avram pilch Of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night How Live. The GCN
6: Radio Network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN
14: Great Talk Radio starts here. But the dream turns out to be true and thrusts him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now, the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors classic science fiction at its best available now for more details or to place your order visit rockoids.com that's r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s rockoids.com
23: attention this is an announcement for our listeners who drive gasoline vehicles federal consumer protection has confirmed that there is now an automotive accessory that exceeds its own fuel saving claims Consumer Protection has confirmed that most gasoline vehicles will get 22% more miles per gallon with an accessory called Platinum 22. To find out if Platinum 22 will give your vehicle 22% more miles per gallon, you should call 1-800-LESS-GAS. You heard me correctly. 1-800-LESS-GAS. You heard me. Federal Consumer Protection has confirmed that the Platinum 22 accessory will deliver 22% more miles per gallon to most gasoline vehicles. You should pick up the phone and call 1-800-LESS-GAS to find out if it will help your vehicle. That's 1-800-L-E-S-S-G-A-S. 1-800-L-E-S-S-G-A-S. 22% more miles per gallon. 1-800-LESS-GAS.
5: So, a natural disaster strikes and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben's Discount Supply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators, freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator freezer or a 22 cubic foot deep freezer in stock and ready to ship anywhere bensdiscountsupply.com also stocks a full line of solar powered appliances to get you completely off the grid check out bensdiscountsupply.com or call 800-771-7702 that's 800-771-7702 or click bensdiscountsupply.com for camping home or bug out location bank on bensdiscountsupply.com
24: on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally, and it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 79 young Again, that's toll-free 79 young one 79 You're listening to the Tech Night Owl
3: live With Gene Steinberg,
0: you never know what's going to happen next. With Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we're exploring first the worst, the tech failures, including, of course, maps for the iOS 6 from Apple. And then, of course, we've talked about the best laptops, the best tablets. Let's continue for a moment, then move to smartphones.
22: So, you know, I... I highly recommend, though, if you are looking for a reading tablet, uh, while we put both Barnes and Noble and Amazon's all four of their, you know, their HD and, and HD Plus, their their nine-inch and seven-inch tablets on our list. Certainly, um, for reading and screen sharpness, the Nooks uh, are are better. They ha- they tend to have better family-friendly features, uh, read-to-me features, things like that. Uh, while Amazon has more of a, has a better selection of video. I would say this year media consumption tablets were big, but you know, the two Google Nexuses, both the seven and the ten, really kind of stand out as being the Android tablets to get for getting a full Android experience and, and using your phone for using your tablet for more than just media consumption. Among smartphones, no surprise that iPhone 5 is our top smartphone of the year. However, right behind it, we really like the Galaxy S3. A lot of people will prefer the Galaxy S3 because it, it has a bigger screen, it has a number of fancy, uh, interesting features like the ability to beam photos to someone or do multitasking by playing a video on top of your on top of what else you're doing, the other stuff you're doing. So that is a really fantastic device. My personal favorite uh, is the Motorola Droid Razor Max HD, which gets over eight hours of battery life. Has a beautiful HD AMOLED screen. I'm a big sucker for AMOLED screens because they seem to have the most vibrant color, uh, and runs a really nice, uh, really nice, clean interpretation of Android Jelly Bean that isn't polluted with heavy skins. Among, we we also liked the Lumia 920 uh, and the HTC Windows Phone 8x, the uh, couple of the first Windows Phone eights. Uh, we thought that um, for people who like that ecosystem, and that ecosystem does have a lot to offer, the hardware in those is really excellent, uh, especially the camera, uh, especially the camera on the Lumia. We also this year uh, really loved uh, the Samsung Galaxy Note 2, uh, which gets even longer battery life than the Razer Max, and if you can live with its 5.5 inch screen without without thinking that it's too big provides just a slew of wonderful features ability to to kind of see a lot more on the screen different task panes and of course the pen support that lets you scribble on things
0: let's look a little bit about possible trends for
22: 2013
0: i'm expecting with apple there's going to be a thinner full-size ipad fourth generation that the ipad mini will get a Retina display. That's two possibilities right there, and that ultimately the iPad Mini becomes the mainstream Apple tablet.
22: Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could totally, I could see that if they upgrade, if they upgrade the screen a bit, then, uh, then yeah, I, I mean, some people really do prefer prefer a smaller device that's more portable. Uh, I would put myself in that category. I feel like seven seven inches great because it's uh, you know very pocketable but at that size you're also thinking like this isn't that much better bigger than my phone when you get up to like eight nine inches it seems to strike a really good balance between portability and portability and usability so I, I think that yes Apple's going Apple's definitely going to kick that up and as we said I think that that at some point all or most of the MacBooks, including the 13-inch MacBook Air, are going to get Retina.
0: There is a report from NPD Display Search claiming that right now, I'm using the quote, demand for the iPad mini is so strong that's selling better than the fourth-generation iPad in some situations. So the future may already be here with Apple.
22: Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's the holiday season. People, people tell their friends, their parents, I want an iPad now you can get one for 329 and fulfill what they asked you for so i think that's a win
0: and certainly the convenience in travel that makes a whole lot of sense and therefore that's where it's going to go and i think apple realized that and so they were able to make it larger use a standard aspect ratio and fulfill their requirement of better usefulness but still get the product out there maybe it's a little bit more expensive than we might have hoped but We always have to see. But it's also true if you look at the history of the iPod. Ultimately, the smaller iPods became more popular.
22: Yep. Well, people do like portability. I think we've seen a pendulum swing toward bigger and bigger and bigger things. We're still seeing phones getting bigger. I heard a rumor today, which I can't believe is true, that the Samsung Galaxy S4 will have a, a, a screen that is over six inches. That's I find that hard to believe. At what point does it become a tablet that makes calls? Well, I think
0: at six inches, it's already there.
22: Some would say the Galaxy Note Two, which is five and a half inches, is already there, and they might and they might be right. I guess it's a blurry distinction, and maybe it doesn't matter anymore, especially because we're making fewer and we're all making fewer and fewer calls. So you might very well have somebody what you might very well have somebody who has a 7-inch tablet and that's their only device that might be the perfect compromise if you if you if you're making your few voice calls via bluetooth if you have internet access 4G access on that tablet and that's your only you know 4G access from the from the phone company that that could that could very well be your phone i mean you may not you may not need a, uh, a, a you may not need a separate tablet and phone
0: well, I know my son has an iPhone 4S in Spain, and he uses Skype for most of his communications. Of course, to call us, he uses Skype, and he's on a Wi-Fi network. That's where it goes. So that's where it's happening. Look, everybody's using some kind of tablet. The Pope is using an iPad for his tweets. Mitt Romney, you know, alone, <laughs> unheralded, forgotten since he lost the presidential campaign. He's typing messages to his friends on an iPad. One other issue before we let you go. All right those rampant rumors and it gets beyond maybe your frame of coverage there the rampant rumors that apple is going to make a smart tv set is that going too far
22: no look this has been rumored for so many years that if i were at apple i would just make the tv set already based on all the, the based on all the chatter that people want one it it really seems like they're going to do it but You know, some former product manager of theirs came out and said they'll never do it, but then the comments from Tim Cook seem to imply that they're going to do it, that they're very disappointed with how TV works. I think that they're looking, what may be holding them back is not hardware or or software, it may be partnerships that they're going to try and do something with their TV to kind of partner with the networks or do something to, you know, make time shifting better. Uh, So, It'll it'll be interesting to see. On the one hand, uh, you know, if Apple makes a TV, it'll have kind of all the goodness of the Apple TV set-top box built in, and, and hopefully, and then some. Uh, which may just beg the question of why not just make the Apple TV? Why not just get people to buy the Apple TV set-top box? But in order for them to do to do the TV part of it, you know, they're going to have to figure out how else are we going to add value. Uh, is it going to be Siri is built into the TV? Is it going to be a webcam is built into the TV? That would be cool. Uh, what, else, what else are you going to do? And it does in one way go against what Apple, what Apple usually does in that it's, it, to be a TV, it has to work with an open standard of cable or, or over the air, meaning that they're not going to have control of those broadcasts. And usually all the content or most of the content you get on an Apple device comes from Apple.
0: And the other issue, of course, with Apple is what Tim Cook said in that interview, and I didn't see as much new as some people might have expected. The one thing he said is that we build things you never thought you needed. And then after we do it, you realize you can't live without them. Now, with the TV set, how do you do that? How do you provide something that is so unique that upends the industry, and that's the big question we'll have to ask. Avram Pilch, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff.
22: So you can uh, read all of my weekly columns at laptopmag.com/slashgeekgeek. You can follow me on Twitter at Geekinchief, and of course keep up with all of our mobile news at laptopmag.com.
0: You can find us
22: on Twitter. We
0: are known as Tech Nighthowl. We also have another radio show about ufos things that go bump in the night and this week we have a real skeptic at paracast.com for the paracast paracast.com and our shows by the way are all going to be heard this weekend we're told in denver new affiliates there we'll let you know more on the tech night out live thanks to avram pilch for joining us this week
22: thank you it was a pleasure